cricket is coming and it's time for a bat. We're going to sub some bodies and we'll have a good laugh. Hello and welcome to episode 35 of Get It Whacked, the Macclesfield Cricket Club podcast. Over the coming weeks and months, we intend to go behind the scenes of Max CC and meet some of the players and characters at the club, find out some things about them you never knew or most likely never wanted to know, and above all, hopefully have a few laughs along the way. Macclesfield Cricket Club is grateful for the continued support of our various sponsors. Today's featured sponsor is Country Carpets. Country Carpets offer a high level of customer service combined with competitive pricing, supplying the largest range of carpets, wood and laminate flooring in Cheshire, Country Carpets has established a reputation for quality, professional customer service and satisfaction. They carry over 500 rolls of carpet in stock for quick installation and have the widest choice of rugs in the northwest. Please visit www.countrycarpet.co.uk for more information. Without further ado, I would like to introduce today's guest. This man was born and raised in Macclesfield and now resides on the Gold Coast in Australia. A member of the double-double winning squad from the 90s, he's also synonymous with the singing of many club songs. A former groundsman at Mac, he relocated to Australia and spent 10 years as assistant curator at the Sydney Cricket Ground. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr Rick Shenton. Shenna, how are you? Very good, thank you, Miles. How are you? Yeah, I'm very good. It's a bit of a cold morning over here. I suppose you're... Uh, being on the other side of the world, it's definitely not the morning for you. Oh, no, we're uh, about 8.30, 9 o'clock at night now, but we've had a steaming hot day today, about 35 degrees, so summer's hit us with a bang here all of a sudden, but um, yeah, hope it's not too cold for you there. Well, you know, we're in a bit of a mild patch at the moment, to be honest, even though we're sort of heading towards the winter, we've been having uh, 10, 11, 12 degrees, quite wet, pretty good for grass growing, so you'll be pleased to know about that. Good, I hope the boys have done their end-of-season renovations on Victoria Road. They certainly have, mate, they certainly have. I'm, I'm sure we'll get on to some of that <laughs> later on. But uh, my first yeah. question is, how have you been dealing, obviously, with the pandemic and COVID over in Australia? To be honest, Australia has got away with it quite lightly. Yes, there's, you know, it's, it's, it's affected us. It's uh, slowed the economy and, you know, lots of sick people, but... We're almost through the other side of it already now. Like Queensland, where I live, the state where I live, there's no cases here at the moment and there hasn't been any cases in Queensland for about six weeks. So, like I say, we're almost back to normal. There's crowds. We had a full house at the Gabba AFL Grand Final a few weeks ago. There was 50,000 there. So, fortunately for us, we're... Running as normal, and we're almost back to normal. Yeah, I think Victoria was was the most badly affected state for you guys in Australia, wasn't it? Yeah, they had to go through a second lockdown because uh, they had a few more outbreaks with the second wave. So, yeah, their uh, government locked them down, unfortunately, for them. So, yeah, it's not been nice down in Victoria for them. But, um, yeah, for Queensland especially, we, 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 we've been very good. And work's been okay and sport's been okay. So, yeah, no, it's... Hopefully we can get over it and hopefully you guys can get over it after second lockdown. Yeah, mate, fingers crossed, I have to say. And, uh, you know, it's, it's nice to hear that there is light at the end of the tunnel, even if it is on the other side of the world. Yeah. <laughs> well, my next question, Shenna, is uh, what do you do when you aren't playing or perhaps might be more appropriate to say when you aren't watching cricket these days? Well, I've been involved with the kids' sport a bit lately because I've sort of stopped playing myself. I was playing the old boys' football an old boys cricket there up until probably only about four, five, well, three, four, five years ago. But the kids' sport took over and I got involved with them with football and game played futsal as well. And that took us that took us around the world playing futsal. He was playing in tournaments everywhere. So I was helping a bit with coaching, you know, as uh, one of those uh, nosy old dads. So, yeah, no, that was fun. No, I'm working as normal. And do you want to tell us what you do for work? Yeah, well, on the Gold Coast, I moved up to the Gold Coast in 2003 from Sydney uh, and yeah, started my own greenkeeping business up here and yeah, we look after sports fields and cricket ovals and we build cricket pitches and yeah, do renovations on ovals and yeah, so we've been very busy. We've got a staff of uh, about three of us, oh, four of us at the moment in the middle of summer, so yeah, we... Uh, 
the main thing we do now is building cricket pitches. One of the big ones we did recently was Metricon Stadium. I don't know if you watched the big bash where mm-hmm. Brisbane Heat sometimes play. We built the pitches there, the drop-in pitches for Metricon Stadium. So, yeah, some decent facilities we, we've built pitches for and look after. And are you looking after uh, any of the sort of uh, Premier Grade cricket grounds and things like that at the moment? Yeah, on the golf course, there's one Premier Grade team who play in the uh, Queensland Grade Comp with all the Brisbane clubs, Gold Coast Dolphins. We've looked after their holes for probably 15, 16 years now. So, yeah. We have um, Queensland play there now and again, and we've had the West Indies come for camps, and England Lions, the A-team, played Australia there last year as well. So, yeah, we have some good, decent games there too. Excellent. Well, uh, we might come back to a little bit of uh, groundkeeping and and things like that a bit later on the podcast, mate. But uh... Yeah, that's boring. That's work. <laughs> well, we want to take it back to some uh, some cricket memories now. So, I'd say, what are your earliest cricketing memories? Um, well, through my dad, really, uh, Mike Shenton. He's uh, he he was the intro- he was the one who introduced everything for me for cricket and football because that's what he did. And he played at a club called Chelford, and before that, Bertles. I don't know if you've heard of Bertles Bowl, just out on the outskirts of Macclesfield. But he used to play there in the 70s and then in the 80s went to Chelford and that's where I sort of got my love for cricket down at Chelford and I helped him on the ground down there and started playing juniors down there and playing in the seniors when I was 14. It's uh, might might interest you to know actually that um, we've we've got a a chap who plays at Macclesfield now. It's called Tom Radley, who was on the podcast a while ago. But he uh, he played a lot of his cricket um, at Chelford um, after he came back from university before he moved to Macclesfield. And he told me the other day that um, in inside the pavilion, uh, I think your your dad's name uh, appears around many many photos and on the wall and 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 lots of things and he he felt that yeah. uh, your dad might have been Mr Chelford CC is that uh, is that a fair representation Yeah he was because he was there for you know from well 1981 I'll probably say till when he passed away in 2008 so yeah 28 years roughly so he was the chairman and captain for years and yeah he and he did the ground for all that time as well so yeah he was um, he was mr chelford and it was a lovely place to play cricket i don't know if you've ever played there but it's a lovely ground um but unfortunately they've now folded southward yeah i i have played there um i've i've been on the back end of an absolute thumping uh, several years ago um <laughs> I'm I'm afraid to say uh, I think the Chelford second team uh scored about 280 in 40 overs and then bowled us out for about 12 so uh, it w- wasn't wow. a great day yeah yeah uh, but we don't talk about that Rick we're certainly not here to talk about uh, my miserable cricketing experiences yeah. they must have been paying a few superstars to come into the second team at Chelford then because things like that have happened well not paying but we've uh, over the years we used to get ring-ins and one famous ring-in was Darren Berry he came and played for us a couple of times at the uh, the national knockout the village national knockout trophy so Chuck could remember that very well, so uh, that was fun. And then I thought it'd be interesting to hear about how you kind of, from your playing days, um, obviously you said you made your, your senior debut for Chelford when you were sort of 14. Um, at what point did you make the move to Mac and, and how did that come about? Yeah, well, that um, came about because for years we used to go on the Cheshire Cats cricket tour down to Devon, which was a tour that Don Tow used to organise with all sorts of different characters and there was a few Chelford players used to go and my father was one of them and we always used to go down there. I was probably went on my first one from about the age of 13 and um, probably by the time I was 17, 18, I was starting to take cricket a bit more serious and I was doing okay and I remember one time Darren Berry was on the tour and Towley, and they, they asked me, you know, come over to Macclesfield. I'd scored a few runs during a couple of tour games, you know, and they said, why don't you come and join Macclesfield? So I did, actually. I think as soon as like, we got back from the tour, I went and joined Macclesfield. And was that kind of uh, born out of, you know, wanting to perhaps play a higher standard of cricket? Did you do you have aspirations of, of, of trying to progress up and that sort of thing? Or where did that come from? No, I didn't really, because... 
I mean, football was my first love. I was doing okay at football. And um, cricket was, you know, I still love cricket. Um, but when I got asked to go over there, I thought, well, might as well. Got nothing to lose. And I knew a lot of the lads at Macclesfield as well anyway. Um, so, yeah, I went over. I was probably about 19, I reckon I was. I assume that would have been the 1993 season. Is that right? Around there, yeah. I, yeah. I thought it was a bit earlier, but yeah, you you might be right. <laughs> well, if it, obviously, if, if Chuck was there, it would have been in his first or his second year, I assume. So Yeah, yeah. So I played with Chuck for a couple of years, yeah. Fine. Okay, well, it might have been 1992 then. We're, uh, we're digging digging through the memories here, Shanna. Um, but yeah. talk, talking of that team, obviously, you know, it's the very famous double-double winning team. Um, and we've heard from people like Chuck and some other characters, uh, you know, and players about that team and that squad. And I suppose my question would be, you know, what, what were your experiences of playing in that team? And, and perhaps tell us about some of your teammates. Yeah, it was incredible because I'd left Chelford, which was not the most professional sort of cricket outfit. It was quite social and, you know, <laughs> they weren't very successful. And I, I, I went and joined Macclesfield and all of a sudden the training and the commitment and the, just the whole professionalism of it all, I thought was fantastic because I was used to it with the football a little bit, uh, you know, playing at Macclesfield Town and a Congleton Town. And, uh, cricket had never experienced it before and I loved it. Um, it was fun. It was intense, it was competitive, and you had Towley and Darren Berry steering us around, and we were so successful, with, not just with Darren. Obviously, Darren was a great batsman and contributed massively, but we had lots of other good players like Alfie and Morsey, of course, and they, as we all know, you know, you need lots of wickets to win championships, and Alfie and Morsey always made sure that we got plenty of wickets, and... Yeah, we won a lot of the games, you know, through those boys as well. Talking to Chuck there, I, I actually re recently spoke to Chuck about you and uh, he, he firstly sends his best wishes, but he, he told me you were a very important member of the team um, and he also said you're a great team man. What can you tell us about Chuck? I actually got to know Chuck quite well, actually, later on as well in Sydney and um, when he was playing for Victoria, of course. But the first time I saw Chuck playing for Macclesfield when we were playing together. We were, we were away at Toft and they had a quick bowler called uh, John Bacon, I think his name was. And all of a sudden I'm seeing all these quick bowlers and they go, oh, this is all right now. And he's, um, you know, Chuck's got the reputation and he's opening the batting. First ball was a bouncer. And it is me on the sideline ducking for Chuck. Chuck just step, rocks back, back fox six over, over um, square leg. I'm thinking, Whoa, next ball, another bouncer, six over square leg. And they think, Jesus Christ, this is good to watch. <laughs> All of a sudden, you know, you're playing proper cricket with proper cricketers. And it was actually good to watch. And, you know, you, you learn off people like that. I and mean, you watch him and you see how he trained. And, you know, Chuck was a, an awesome trainer, a, a leader, as well as being a, an incredible batsman. And he scored incredible runs for us. And, not so much for Victoria early on, but later on in his career, we'll probably talk about that later, but, you know, he scored some good runs for Victoria later on in his career, but for Macclesfield, he was outstanding. And um, we all sort of ran off the back of it, really, to be honest. It was brilliant. It's interesting you mentioned that, obviously, about Chuck sort of scoring runs later for, for his Victoria career. Obviously, when he came to Macclesfield, he was a lot more focused on the, on the batting and, and trying to improve his batting from a professional mm. standpoint. But uh, one of the things that he almost forgot when he was talking about on his podcast is the fact that he, he actually took a lot of dismissals behind the sticks. And, and as a bowler yourself, obviously, um, you, you know, you bowled and you batted for Mac. Um, do, do you remember much about Chuck as a wicketkeeper and, and perhaps uh, keeping to yourself? <laughs> yeah, certainly do. I is me steaming in, you know, trying to steam in anyway and um, forget who we're playing. But we're playing at Mac and it was um, must have been a bit of a slow wicket one day because... Um, Chuck decides, he just gives me the nod, he says, Rick, I'm going to stand up. And of course, uh, like any bowler who thinks he's got any pace about him, I sort of felt a bit aggrieved about that. And he's standing up to me. <laughs> anyway, I flicked one down leg side, totally by accident. It was unplanned. Chuck, on the half volley, takes it leg side, whips the bales off, blokes um, out stumped. 
unbelievable piece of keeping. And he said, don't worry, Rick, I've done the same to Paul Rifle. So that, yeah. that made me feel a little bit better. Yeah, it, it's really funny you tell that story, and it's, it's a great <laughs> anecdote because, of course, I, I sort of mentioned about this Paul Rifle stumping, and, you know, we, lots of us at the club looked at the video and thought, Jesus, that's that's ridiculous. And and there you are with a, a similar dismissal, uh, you know, similarly important. Yeah. <laughs> so so I, can, I can talk about myself in the same vein as Paul Rifle. Maybe yeah. he was as slow as me, not me as quick as him. That's that's it. As you say, any self-respecting bowler, if, if a wicketkeeper ever got up over the stumps to me and I got a stumping, I'd, I'd be absolutely livid. I'd probably go and play cricket and delete it. <laughs> yeah. But another thing with Chuck's keeping, like his voice, I'd never, I'd never come across the um, vocals that Chuck had had either. You know, like to me, I found it funny. But a lot of the other teams obviously took offence, and um, a lot of his chat was, was more than on the you know borderline. But it was um, incredible, uh, and it sort of we were doing so well, we were. Pulling we were winning. This Aussie, this brash Aussie was smacking runs and he had a big mouth from behind the stumps, being encouraged by Captain Tal, of course. And um, everywhere we went, we, we, we weren't liked. I don't think we were popular and even the league didn't like us. And I remember one game we played Staley Bridge at home again and I think we were batting first. And there was a big crowd. Sometimes games on a Sunday, we'd get decent crowds, like let's say a couple of hundred few down as well. And um, first, uh, first ball again. Block balls, snake keeper dives in front of first slip, takes an amazing catch, and we're all going, "Oh no!" Chuck just stands there, scratches his mark, umpire not out. We're going, "Oh my God!" We go, oh, he's not the cover off that. Anyway, he gets away with it. Next ball again, second ball, another half volley, smack. This time. Keeper dives in front of the second slip, takes a screamer. <laughs> We've got, oh, God, he's out now. He stands there again, scratches his mark. Umpire, not out. <laughs> it was nearly a riot. You should have heard the Staley Bridge fans. They were coming on the field. They wanted blood. <laughs> we were on the balcony laughing our heads off. Anyway, Chuck went and got like, he might have even got 100 that game. And we won the game, but... It was just little things like that, you know, chucked competitiveness and things going on. It was, it certainly wasn't a gentleman's game anymore. It was, you know, you win and you, you know, you play your hardest and competitive to make sure you win. If the umpire makes a mistake, that's not Darren Berry's fault, is it? <laughs> but that was how he played the game and that's how he taught, sort of taught us how to play the game. Yeah, I I think obviously that's that's a fairly Australian way of viewing things, uh, isn't it? Let's yeah. be honest. I even remember uh, another incident when um, we were playing Pointon, and um, at home again we were playing at home. I think Bod was playing for them and Middy and all of them. And I think this was the game when he got um, was it he got one hundred and ninety odd or something. Yeah, it's, um, it's it's sort of standout innings of of 196 against Poynton. Obviously, where he uh, famously called the Poynton captain the night before and told him he was going to make 200. Uh, probably amongst other things, I think he told him on the phone. <laughs> but that's uh, right. Yeah. I believe you were involved in a in a bit of a partnership that game, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, as I was now and again with Darren, uh, I was mainly at the other end. But yeah, I was involved in a big partnership with Darren that day probably about 80 or 90 partnership and uh, I probably got scored about seven or eight. <laughs> so I was at the other end just watching him smack it everywhere. But one part of that innings, like I'll never live it down. He's on, like we're in the over and we're on 300 or you know, whatever we were on and he's on 190. And we're all hoping he gets his 200, you know, and gets to the penultimate ball and I'm on strike. And I'm nervous now making shit all i've got to do i've just got to drop one and we're running you know get chuck back on strike so anyway and bod might have been bowling i'm thinking come on bod just give this little half volley i can just push it into the covers and we'll go anyway he just bowls a little half volley i've gone bang just lent on it yeah 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 we're steam through for the single get chuck on the uh at the batsman's end for the last ball anyway the ball keeps rolling and rolling and rolling because the boundaries are so small on that hospital side. Goes for four. <laughs> and we're like, oh, fuck. 
Oh, so I'm back on Skype now, and Chuck's walking past me going, yeah. He's swearing at me, you know. I think all the crowd are now booing because they're thinking, he's on 109, now you've ruined it, so he can't get his 200. <laughs> so Chuck, Chuck can blame me for not getting his 200. I didn't get the single. Well, it'll it'll please you to know that he he never told me it was your fault, but, uh, you yeah. know, Maybe you've you've un unburied the hatchet. <laughs> <laughs> it was a privilege to be in a partnership of whatever it was with him, just to watch him back like that. It was unbelievable. Thank you for your continued support of the podcast. Since the debut episode back in March, we have amassed over 7,000 unique downloads and been recognised by the ECB with a national award for proactive leadership in the community, as featured recently on Sky Sports. The podcast continues to develop and grow, and I would like to take this opportunity to thank all of you, the listeners, for continuing to support and engage with the podcast. The podcast is self-funded, and we could not continue to create content without the support of our patrons. Thanks to our most recent patron, Tom Parfit. Thank you. For anyone interested in supporting the podcast, please visit www.patreon.com forward slash get it whacked or you can click the link in the description of this podcast thank you oh well there's some some great stories and some, some great memories there um from your time with mac and and ordinarily at this sort of juncture i would uh, talk over some stats and some games for mac and that sort of thing however our, our play cricket doesn't quite go back fully uh, that far into the 90s you'll probably be <laughs> pleased to hear <laughs> yeah However, I did find a, a couple of games from the 2001 season uh, where you did sort of particularly well. So I thought maybe we could uh, just talk about those and, and see if you've got any memories from them. The first game is from the 24th of June 2001. And this is Macclesfield first team uh, playing Birkenhead Park first team at home. Um, Mac won the toss and elected to bat. Danny Ackerley was captain that day. Yourself, you batted number four and you scored 129. Do you remember this game? Do you remember that 100? Yes, I do. To be honest, can't remember the circumstances. Uh, I remember again, that was home that game. Yeah, I do remember scoring 100 that game. Can't sort of... Can't remember what was going on. Uh, hopefully, I just smacked a few over the uh, into the hospital or onto the bowling green. But yeah, no, just uh, one of those lucky days. For from what I can see from the scorecards, uh, you, you batted number four. Mick Allen was the uh, overseas. He batted three. We we won't talk about this. But just between me and you, Danny Ackley got a duck opening the batting. Um, <laughs> no, you got 129 with 12 fours and six sixes. So I dare say you did smack a few onto the bowling green or into the hospital. Yeah, I always try to. I was always <laughs> um, trying to get, um, like Chuck used to smack it on the bowling green over the clubhouse. So I was always trying to copy what he was doing. <laughs> well, just to, to round out the game, as I say, Matt got 213 for nine off 45 overs, and then Birkenhead Park were bowled out for 160 in 37 overs. Uh, oh, so, good. Yeah, good yeah. You obviously contributed to a, to a good win there. And then the other game, um, as I mentioned, obviously, you know, uh, you, you battered and bowled for Matt. Would you, would you have referred to yourself as an all-rounder? Yeah. Um, the good thing about being an all-rounder, when you fail at one, you can make up for it in the other stuff. So, yeah, it was always nice playing at Macclesfield because, you know, I could contribute to the team uh, with either, you know. So I was fortunate that way, as did people like Alfie and Morsey, who were, you know, good batsmen and bowlers too. You know, now, now that we've established, obviously, uh, flirting with that all-rounder title, Shenna, um, another game from the flirting, 2000... Yeah. <laughs> another game from the 2001 <laughs> season. Uh, this is the 11th of August, 2001. Uh, Macclesfield's uh, won the toss and elected to bat against Bowden, um, and Mac posted 205. You uh, you batted number five that day, got, got yourself a, a useful 32. But in the Bowden innings, uh, Bowden were 112 for seven off their 46 overs. So unfortunately, the match was drawn. However, you did open the bowling with Bod that day and uh, returned figures of 17 overs, four maidens, five wickets for 46 runs. Do you remember that game? Yeah, I do remember that game. Um, what what did we score? It was uh, a draw. Yeah, Max scored two hundred and five all out in fifty five overs, and 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 Bowden were one hundred and twelve for seven. So I dare say it got a bit tense towards the end, trying to push for wickets. Yeah, it did. I do remember that. Must have been a bit of a wet 
bouncy wicket because it was seaming all over the place. So it helped me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Bowden were a good team then. Um, I think they had um, Nathan Wood played for them. Um, I sent his middle stump flying too. So <laughs> that was good. Uh, his dad, Barry, you know, I remember Barry Wood who played for Lancashire. So Nathan was his son. Um, and of course, they had all, you know, um, Johnny Gray and a lot of the superstars. So it was good to beat Bowden. But that season in 2000, I actually missed a fair chunk of that because I'd actually, um, I, I actually did me knee. I did it at training. We were having a centre wicket practice. And, you know, the slug sweep had just come out. Like Steve Ward had just started doing this slug sweep. Though, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll start having a go at this slug sweep. Anyway, I had a go at the slug sweep, went down on one knee. Did my cartilage, couldn't get back up. <laughs> oh, Yozza had to carry me into the car and we went to the hospital, I had an operation. So I had my cartilage out that Sunday. So I was out for maybe five, six weeks that season. I'd only come over for the one season. I'd been, you know, living in um, Australia for a while. Well, it's it's interesting you made, you sort of mentioned that uh, injury you had and, and obviously talking about the 2001 season, but I think I'm right in saying that you actually uh, represented Cheshire during the 2001 season. Is that right? Yeah, I did. Um, again, not sure how it came back. Like, from being there earlier in the early 90s and mid-90s, I suppose, I sort of got to know, you know uh, people like Sandy Scrimger and uh, Jerry Hardstaff. And it was them, they gave me a call. And uh, they must have been short this day because it was Dorset away. That was my debut. Oh, God. <laughs> it was probably one of those where I was, oh, God, no, I don't want to go to Dorset. <laughs> so who can we call? So, yeah, they gave me a call, went down with Ronnie. And um, by then, Ronnie, like when I was there in the, early, in the 90s, like Ronnie was a second teamer and, you know, was okay. Didn't even know if he liked cricket, you know, he was that type of, he could take, take a leave cricket. Anyway, when I came back in 2001, Ronnie had um, he, he totally changed. Rigglesworth, one of the pros, had got hold of him one year when he came out, sorted his run-up out, sorted his action out, and he used to terrorise teams. And I'd previously seen him when he was in second grade at Macclesfield. And seeing him, I've gone, what a transformation it was with Ronnie. So anyway, I went down with Ronnie to the game with, uh, against Dorset with Cheshire. And we get there, it's like midnight by the time you get there, of course, after you sat there again. And I'm thinking, do we just go to bed, Ronnie, or what do we do here, you know, like the night before a game? <laughs> he said, no chance, Rick, they'll all be at the bar waiting for us. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we get to the hotel, and right, rightly so, as he says, they're all there in the bar. Oh, here's the Mac lads, where have you been? Right, right. Introduces me to a few of them, and, Ian Colbain was the captain then, Kelly, top bloke, a famous old captain and stalwart for Cheshire, as we know. Anyway, so we had a few drinks. And yeah, uh, had a decent game, actually, for Cheshire in the first game against Dorset. Um, yeah, got a few runs and got a few wickets. So, yeah, I enjoyed it and played a few more games that year. And I believe uh, Cheshire actually won the uh, Minor Counties competition that year. Is that right? Yeah, they did. Uh, so, yeah, it was 2001. And I, I think it was Coey's last year. I think he was retiring and Albert Hall was going to take over. So, um, yeah, no, it was nice to be part. I didn't play in the final. I can't even remember where they played the final at, but um, I didn't play in the final, of course. Everyone's fit and well and wants to play in those games, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> but, no, it was great. Um, but that's what I was going to say. Ronnie, in that game for Cheshire, absolutely terrorised some of those Dorset batsmen. And it was incredible to watch him, like the transformation, because he's six foot six or whatever he is, but he could now bowl quick and he had a little bit of mongrel in him. And um, yeah, he was he was putting it up. Dorset, I was almost like proud of him. I was like, Ronnie, I can't believe this is you. Like, he was a totally, and he thoroughly deserved his place for Cheshire. And he was one of Cheshire's best bowlers in that period of, uh, you know, the early 2000s. He was a cracking bowler, Ronnie. Ronnie Hillaby, for those Indeed. who may not know him. Yeah, well, we recently had Barney Cutbill on the podcast, uh, who, of course, you'll you'll know. And uh, one of Barney's uh, great lines from the podcast was, uh, the only reason that he played for Cheshire is because Ronnie Hillaby didn't want to. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. 
Uh, that's that's Ronnie. But I thought he'd got the bug for it, and I don't know why he wasn't. Yeah, it's just his character. He's he's a hard working guy. He's doing great in his job, but he's got a, a golf course, and um, I mean he did work hard, but I just don't. He didn't have that real massive drive or love, I suppose. I don't know why he didn't always play for Cheshire because he could have been a great for Cheshire. He, he was that good a quick bowler. Well, uh, it's it's interesting you sort of mention, uh, you know, Ronnie being uh, involved in groundkeeping. Obviously, he's uh, on the golf course. A little yeah. bit different to yourself, but I thought we could just talk a, a little bit now about some groundkeeping stuff because, of course, you were the groundsman at Macclesfield and I think also for the, for the bowling green there as well as the cricket club for, for a number of years. And indeed, obviously, yeah. when you moved to Australia, continued that through to, to the business that you've told us about. So do you want to tell us about sort of your early days groundskeeping and, and preparing the wickets at Macclesfield? Yeah, well, I'd actually already done it at Chelford for a few years anyway. So I'd learned about cricket pitches through my dad. And, you know, looking after Oval. So when um, Towley invited me to come to Macclesfield, he also asked if I could do the pitch at the same time. So for me, it was a win-win. And back then, the groundsman looked after the bowling green and the tennis courts because the tennis courts were up and running then. Um, so, yeah, that was brilliant doing the cricket pitches. And then that was my full-time job. Um, so, yeah, I loved it. But then obviously... Through Chuck and these Cheshire Cats tours, you met lots of Australians. And, um, yeah, it sort of, by the time I was about 21 or 22, it sort of appealed to me to go to Australia because uh, I'd met a few other Aussies on these Cheshire Cats tours, not just Darren Berry. Uh, Rod Tucker, who you may know, uh, he's an international umpire as well now. Uh, he was on it and uh, another quick bowler called Andrew Jones. And these were you know, real good Australian Shield cricketers um, who sort of really caught your eye and you thought, wow, you know, I want to be like them and I'd love to go and have a crack over in Australia one day. And I got invited to go over in 93 to play at Renwick. And while I was at Renwick, um, there was a couple of blokes who played for Renwick who worked at the SCG and they invited me or introduced me to the head curator or head groundsman, Peter Leroy at the time, uh, to see if I wanted to get a job there. So as lucky as it sounds, that was as easy as it was. And I went for an interview. Uh, you know, bullshit baffles braids done it. And he said, <laughs> when, do <you> want... <laughs> when do you want to start? So I said, I'll start now. So I did. And yeah. It was lucky and one of the greatest things I ever did. And I believe you were a sort of assistant curator there for 10 years, is that right? Yeah, 10 years. Uh, in the first few years, I did keep coming back to Macclesfield and playing. So I was sort of following the endless summer for a couple of years. Miss Sydney, uh, Macclesfield, Sydney, Macclesfield. And then I ended up staying, yeah. Um, because, yeah, I was playing cricket over there and work didn't want to keep letting me go for six months, even though we always were quiet in the winter months, but we had rugby league and AFL at the stadiums. We had the Sydney Roosters and the Sydney Rabbitohs and the Sydney Swans AFL. So, um, yeah, I stayed then and yeah, not looked back since. I, I mean, obviously, this is a, I'm probably answering my own question here, but did you find uh, sort of significant differences between preparing, say, wet green seamers in April at Macclesfield and... Uh, you know, Australian oh, pitches yeah. for the summer at the SCG. Was, was that a big learning curve, all joking aside? Yeah, yeah, yeah huge, totally different, totally different, different grasses, different soil, different weed, different everything. It's like a whole new language. So, I, you know, I did TAFE in, um, or um, what do you call it, you know, college in um, Sydney for three years as well to, you know, learn everything about the soils and grasses in, in Australia as well. And, yeah, the, the teaching, that just polishes your, your own um, sort of practical skills anyway. So, um, yeah, did that. And, yeah, it was totally different. So you're pumping in gallons and gallons of water and you were even watering the day of a game, whereas in England you start watering two weeks before a game, almost anyway, 10 days before a game, and you're just getting it dry. Whereas in Australia you're just watering it and watering it and watering it, keeping it wet. Otherwise it cracks, dries too quickly in the 35 degree sun and uh, yeah, dries out and cracked. Well, it sounds all right to me if it starts going sideways. 
Yeah, yeah, I needed plenty of help as well. There's always plenty of grass on. Don't worry about that. Oh, well, this is this is one of the the great things because obviously at, at Mac now, you know, uh, we have the main ground at Victoria Road, and of course we have Parkside. And um, you know, as as the captain over on Parkside, I'm generally in in the groundsman's ear about how I want it and people always say oh there's always such a difference between you know Parkside and the main ground where it's a bit of a road it's nice and white and then you look at Parkside and it's this big green seamer and I can't imagine why it's nothing to do with me opening the bowling <laughs> oh is that right yeah, yeah, good lad <laughs> anyway any little help you know, you've got to look after yourself, haven't you? Well, exactly. You know, I'm uh, I'm not getting any younger either. You know, these, these yeah. wickets don't take themselves, Shanna. Yeah. <laughs> and anyway, move, moving on and uh, back to some far more interesting cricketing stories. Um, obviously, you know, you, you're very fortunate to spend the time that you did at the SCG. And I know that um, you, we could probably talk for hours about some of the stories and things that, that you've got. But I'm going to tee you up oh, with yeah. one you mentioned to me. Um because I was watching this on YouTube a while ago and it just popped up and there's a really famous uh, partnership between uh, Jason Gillespie and uh, Glenn McGrath um, who managed to, to get himself a 50 and um, you know you watch the video and yeah. there's Steve Waugh and Punter and, and Gilchrist all on the sidelines just absolutely wetting themselves as, as Glenn McGrath sort of gets out the slog sweep and gets himself to a yeah. 50 and he takes his helmet off and celebrates like it's a 100. <laughs> And uh, yeah. you know, you, you, you've got you've got a great anecdote to add to this story, so I'll let you take it away. Oh, it was so serious as well. Like there was no joking around with Glenn McGrath. The rest of the world was laughing their heads off. <laughs> Not Glenn McGrath. He was taking this so serious. But the funny thing about that was um, years earlier, as we, if you ever saw Glenn McGrath when he first started playing, he actually didn't know what end of the bat to hold, and he'd admit that himself. He wasn't the best. He actually came in after the bunnies. He was that bad. And um, <laughs> Steve Wall had actually sort of took ownership of um, Glenn McGrath's batting coaching. He was like, well, you know, it's a, even though you're number 11 and you're not expected to score runs and I still want to get you to improve so you can help the team and, you know, try and bat and try and score some runs, which could be helpful in a tight game. And anyway, he was coaching him and he had a bet. He put a bet on Steve Waugh that before his career, that Glenn McGrath's career is over, that Glenn McGrath will score a 50. So that's what all the fuss was about. So when he scores this 50, of course, Steve Waugh and all the lads on the balcony are going berserk because they've won a bit of money. And of course, they're happy for Glenn McGrath. But yeah, that was the, um, that was the talking point about that 50 with Glenn McGrath. Very, very good. And are there any, uh, any any other good stories that sort of jump out from you around the professional game and, and your time at the SCG? Oh, God, yeah. I've got a million. I've got so many funny stories. Uh, I can give you, I don't know how much time we've got, but uh, like a few of you know when you're at the game and the, the tea break comes and um, there's always a little bit of entertainment, isn't there, on the field and there'll be a, a marketing person out there and you know, the, the, some giveaways. Anyway, the, the, there was a competition. You got a few people out of the, the, the stands, some of the crowd, five or six people. And um, the competition was to uh, hit some sixes. So they come in, someone bowls to them. They're just sort of halfway on the outfield. But if they get it out over the fence, it's a six. And they, they win like a, it wasn't an iPhone. or It was a nice little prize anyway. So um, they got these six contestants. And um, earlier, he'd asked me or some of the groundsmen, can any of you bowl? Like, can you bowl? Like, we've got this competition on. So I said, yeah, yeah, I can bowl. He said, all we want you to do is, is just bowl. We've got six people out of the crowd. They have three balls. You have to hit a six. And we give them this, um, you know, these gifts. Uh, but I've only got three of these. Um, I forget what it was. Let's, let's just say it was an iPad, you know. So it was an Apple. It was an iPad. But they didn't have them in those days. But anyway, I'm coming into bowl, and I thought, I'll just lolly him up, you know, so they can hit him. But before that, they introduced everybody. So they introduced all the contestants, the batsmen, you know. You know, this is uh, Johnny from uh, uh, Balmain in Sydney, and they're all cheering him, and they're all clapping him and cheering. And then they got to the bowler, he said, and the bowler for today is, uh, his name's Rick, 
and uh, he's from England. And the boo was unbelievable. <laughs> the whole crowd, boo. <laughs> so here's me. I'm waving to the crowd. There's fifty thousand. Well, I was forty thousand. I'm waving to the crowd, and they're all booing me. Anyway, I bowl a few, and um, the first couple smack them for six. And they're all cheering, you know. I'm not sure if the crowd were cheering that I was getting smacked or if they were winning prizes. Anyway, the bloke came up to me and he said, hey, mate, look, wait, you said you could bowl. He said, I've only got one more of these left and there's four contestants. Make it a bit harder for them. So I, did. I started bowling Yorkers and bouncers. And anyway, the crowd's booing and heckling me now. And they all started singing, bowlers are <laughs> <"Gah."> <laughs> <laughs> don't even put that in. There's 40,000 all abusing me. I loved it. Oh, but all, all sorts of things like that. Even a couple of lads had known this Danny and um, Bod and Hacker Holding. They, they, you know, the sight screen back, back then, the sight screen was operated by the ground staff. Um, you know, the tri vision. So you got the vision at the end of the over, you move it from a black sight screen to an advertising board. And then when it's back near and so forth, or if it's if he's round the wicket or over, you've got to move the sight screen. Anyway, I'm, I'm, it was my turn, and you just sat in the stand in the members, and of course I got tickets for the lads, and um, we're in the members, and whoever was bowling, I forget who it was, it might have been Warren, you know, Shane Warren, and I'm moving it left and right, and Bod or Danny says, "Are you operating that sight screen?" I said, "Yeah, yeah, I'm operating it." He said, here, let me have a go. <laughs> so, so I passed it to Danny. He said, right, he's moving. He's moving back over the wicket now. Move it. So he presses the remote control. The side screen's moving. And he goes, I'm moving. He's, he's laughing. He's dead off. He's dead off. <laughs> and then he's that, he's that busy laughing. Like, they've scored a signal. And Morty's going round the wicket now. And he's forgot to move the side screen. And the umpire's at the, at the end. You know, he said, Move the sight screen and all the crowd is like, move the sight. And Danny's like, are they talking to me? <laughs> Danny, move the sight screen. All right. So we moved the sight screen. So, yeah, we had a bit of fun with the sight screen remote. And, yeah, got loads of stories at the SCG. Funny stories. Yeah. Very, very good. And, um, I mean, as I said, we could, we could probably talk for hours about uh, stories from the game. I, I know you, you mentioned, obviously, having uh, seen Chuck uh, batting for Victoria's. Any any sort of memories that spring up to you from that? Yeah, there is, actually, because um, oh, it was always great when Victoria played because Chuck came up and, um, you know, we'd all, they always generally stayed down at Coogee, down near the Coogee Bay Hotel. And, of course, I'd always meet them for... Uh, Afternoon or evening drinks and dinner, of course. That was always fun with the Victorian Sheffield Shield team. Um, you know, we got, you know, I was lucky enough to meet David Hawks. He was the coach for a while there with them. And yeah, got to meet a few of them. And Dean Jones, of course, met him through um, Chuck. Um, but one cricketing memory of Chuck was I was proud again to be a mate of Chuck's. There was one game against New South Wales at the SCG. And um, he, he did okay at the SCG. He always scored decent runs at this particular game. He scored, I think it might have even been one of his high scores. Anyway, he scored 150 at the SCG. And it might have even been his first 100 in Sheffield Shield cricket. You know, and uh, you know, gave him a big wave of the bat and everyone was up applauding him. That was great to watch him score that that day. Oh, that's that's fantastic! Um, as I say, you know, loads of great stories, and, and I'm sure we could uh, we could pick a few more out of you. But I thought, you know, whilst we've heard some from Australia, we've, we've got to talk about some stories from Mac, and and there are loads of things again we could talk about. But um, the first one, you know, link it through to Victoria. There's uh, there's a great story you, you mentioned to me about uh, Shane Warne actually coming to training at Macclesfield. Yeah, true story. He did again. This was uh, through Chuck. He was, he'd already done the ball of the century, of course, because he'd already been in England and um, everyone knew him. And, you know, the, he was your typical stereo, typical um, Australian, the bleached blonde hair and the, and the zinc on the nose. And Chuck said, um, I've got a good guest coming to training today. Was, um, let's have a nice centre wicket, please, Rick. So um, it's Shane Warne. We were like, you're joking me. 
Shane Warne's coming to training. You should have seen the turnout of training that night. <laughs> <laughs> there was about 50 at training that night. Normally we get about 12. Anyway, every man and his dogs at training and we're all like waiting for Chuck to turn up. Come on, Chuck, you help he's through here. Anyway, Chuck turns up and, of course, out he gets. Oh, he sees straight away. The big blonde here, there he is. And we're all like, Christ, he's there. Here he is. He's at training at Macclesfield and we're going to have a set of wicket. Bring rolls his he's got his Australia cricket bag. Is there playing in it? You know, this series. Tom's over to the centre. You know, he brought, introduces himself to everyone. We're all in awe. Right, how good is this? Brilliant. And then you're thinking, shit, I want to get my pads on. I want to face him. Uh, anyway, so he's warming. Does the warm up with us? Does everything with us? And then we're all bowling. He's bowling. And of course, it's a mad rush who gets to bat. But I, do, I remember Yoza. Yoza was only young, of course, then, and um, Paul Hughes. And um, he's batted, and um, it was brilliant. What he's bowling, and he's turning a mile, yeah. He's turning them like a metre, and Yoza being a left-hander, and he's pitching it like two, two feet outside Yoza's off stump, and it's coming back, and it's tucking. He can't lay back or no. Can't anywhere near it, Yoza. He's got no idea. Anyway, he bowled. He might have even been a flipper. That's how, you know, he bowled, bowled. And he knocked his stumps over his chair. And we're all laughing and cheering. And, and he, you know, he's a bit embarrassed. He picks his ball back and he throws his ball back to Warney and um, puts his stumps back up. And uh, next time Warney comes into bowl, Yoza smacks charges down the wicket like he's angry now. Charges down the wicket, smacks him back over his head for six, and we all go, and, and Yoza says, "Chase that, mate." And Warney, Warney, to his credit, says, "You can't do that when you're in the pavilion, mate." <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's brilliant! Absolutely brilliant. So. Of course, you know, and then he even had a bat. Warney stuck the pads on. Yeah, yeah, he won't be allowed to do any of this now, of course. But um, stuck the pads on. He had a bat, and um, yeah, we we actually—I don't know if you know—but we actually had our own um, famous leg spinner. He was called Radar. Have you ever heard of the stories about Radar? No, I haven't. <laughs> anyway, Radar—I can't remember his real name, but he was a—he wasn't the best leg spinner. I mean, to be honest, he, he wasn't really a cricketer. But for some reason, he found himself at Macclesfield Cricket Club. He might have played a couple of third-grade games. And he's hounding Warney all the time for advice. And Warney's like, who's this bloke? So anyway, and training finishes. This is the best part. Training finishes. You coming in for a drink, Warney? Yeah, 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 I'll come in for a drink. I'll, I'll, have, a, I'll have a quick... Uh, coat with you, you know, you play. And so anyway, we go in there and um, he's got the bleach blonde there. I mean, there's a couple, always a few bar flies, isn't there, at the bar in the club at Macclesfield who don't really know cricket. They're just there to have a drink. And um, we go in and Warney's at the bar and he's talking away. And these bar flies, hear the Aussie accent. And they go, oh, for God's sake, not another bloody Aussie. <laughs> <laughs> Shame, Warren, you can't say that. So anyway, oh, God, oh, where are you from, mate? And he said, oh, I'm Victoria. And, and he said to him, oh, so do you play cricket as well, do you? <laughs> <laughs> you know, we got oh, mate. And Warney again, to his credit, he says, ah, oh, turn my arm over now and again. <laughs> oh, brilliant from Warney. What a, again, privileged to have him there and, you know, great memories. And that was brilliant when Warney was there. One of our patrons, Adam Massey, uh, who I'm sure you will remember from your time or his time at Presbury, um, asked if you remember a, a particularly low-scoring 16-over oh. cup thriller from <laughs> yeah. the 90s against Presbury. Uh, and I think you were playing for Chelford at this time, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is one of the most fa- – this has gone down in folklore. I think this is even in wisdom for one of the most famous – Bad games of cricket ever in the history of cricket. Uh, yeah, Adam Massey and Presbury. It was um, one of those 16-8 ball overs. You know, the original T20s that we used to play on a Wednesday night. 
a good cup competition. And yeah, Chelford were drawn away to Presbury, a bit of a local derby. Everyone knew everyone. And um, it was a, a gloomy, rainy night. But of course, yeah, there was, I don't even think there was covers back in those days. And um, we were playing, I think we lost the toss. Presbury uh, stuck us in and um, decided to uh, roll through us like knife through butter. Unfortunately, Chelford, this was this is a first grade game, by the way. You know, two first 11s with some great players, Julian Cheatham and all that, you know, some great players, both teams. Anyway, Chelford were all out for 16. And it was one of the most embarrassing moments of my cricketing career at that stage. And everyone's walking off and it is embarrassing. And we're going, oh my God, let's get this over and done with. So anyway... We, um, you know, they come out and they're all laughing and joking, and all their superstars come out to bat. And yeah, okay, let's just get it over and done with. Anyway, I open the ball at one end, bang, bang, two wickets. Oh, okay, that's funny. You know, everyone's laughing. They're two for none. Next over, the, uh, the other opening bowler, Jeremy Phillips, his name. He get, bang, another wicket. He gets a wicket. Three for none. Well, now we're laughing again. We did, oh, this is funny. Gets to my over, next over again. Bang, bang, two more wickets. Five for none they were. We're thinking now, we're starting to set fields. We're thinking we're a chance here now. You go here, you do this, and you pitch it in. Anyway, Adam Massey, of all people, he comes in. Again, he doesn't know what end to hold the bat. He comes in and goes six, six, six. Game over. Come on, lads, get in the bar. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did wonder oh. why he to bring this game up and uh now it's yeah. it's clear why uh but <laughs> what a game incredible game so that's 15 wickets for 32 runs with two great first 11 teams incredible circumstances but yeah one for the memory bank that well uh bef- before we head towards the end of the podcast mate there's uh there's a couple of uh stories that i want to get your take on that have been mentioned uh already on the podcast the first one is, is of course, the, the sort of Upton incident with uh, Dudley Moore and, and Billy and, and Chuck getting yeah. uh, getting in one of their ears and then the umpires insisting that Towley go and tell him off and Towley stood there wagging his finger at Chuck saying, do not stop what you're doing, carry on. Uh, do, 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 you, do you remember anything from this uh, the, the Upton incident? Well, there was many. There was many, but that, that, was, um, that was a bit silly again, like, a lot of them were just fun, really, I thought. But what did happen in that game? Um, I mean, he looked like Dudley Moore, this batsman. So we're having him about Dudley Moore. So we're all laughing, you know. But he, he got the shits because we're all making fun of him. He got angry. <laughs> so the more angrier he got, the more we were giving it to him. Anyway, um, something happened. And, um, it might have been a stumping or something. And Chuck started really get, getting into him. And it was the end of the over. And Dudley bloody Moore turned around to him, you know, with the bat. And Chuck, I think, you know, I just stood on him by accident on his foot, you know, with his studs. And I twisted his foot by accident as, as, as he was stood on his foot. <laughs> anyway, so he rolls around on the floor, this bloke, and he's crying. Anyway, that was that was what that was, and he, he did get told on, and then, but it got reported, got reported, uh, by you know to, to the league, and we we had a letter sent to us, and um, you know complaining about. It. I don't know if we got in trouble or points deducted, but we got a letter about our behaviour, in particularly you know one wicketkeeper's behaviour, <laughs> and um, again our cockiness and brashness. We made up another song regarding that letter and we told that letter where to go <laughs> one of elvis's old songs so it was we changed the words and it was returned to upton anyway yeah so we used to sing that every time we went to upton even when we were in their bar we sang it one night <laughs> oh, so we got chased out we got chased out of a few bars i remember witness we got chased out of as well grant flower uh, yeah but no it was all all a lot of fun as I said before, Chuck sort of mentioned you, you know, very very keen member of the team, very important. But he also mentioned you were a bit of a leader of the club songs. Is this right? Yeah. Yeah. Hence the Opton song as well. Um, but obviously, 
uh, club song, which is still going to this day, which I love. And um, yeah, I'm sort of proud to say that we started that because the Mac lads in the 80s were big, of course. And I knew all the words and uh, used to, I used to sing the songs in the changing rooms. You know, and everyone used to laugh at him and all that. And Tim Moore, who used to play for us, um, um, Harry Moore's son, Tim Moore, he knew the words as well. So we used to sing them. And um, I think it might have been Chuck. Or Chuck sort of said, well, let's just spin one of these to, you know, for our club song. And it was, um, of course, the, uh, I think it's Nagasaki Sauce that we uh, transformed the words and turned it into our now famous club song. And that club song, by the way, has been sung around uh, Sydney and Darling Harbour with uh, the lads like Bod and Danny and uh, Simon Holding. So, yeah, it's, it's travelled far and wide, the uh, Macclesfield club song. <laughs> very, very good. It's, uh, it's, it's a real pleasure to kind of hear, hear your take on some of these stories, which you've already heard on the podcast. And, uh, you know, just to get your, your enthusiasm and your experiences, which obviously uh, translate to all of us. It's, it's great to hear. And, and as I say, I'm, I'm sure we could talk for hours about some of the stories that you have. And perhaps a few of them might not be fit for the air. Who knows? But, um, no, it's, it's, it's great to hear them. Former podcast guest and regular mentionee. Carl Burgess is undertaking a fundraising challenge in the new year, and in the words of the big man himself, as most of you know, I treat my body like a temple. If that temple was a medieval ruin ravaged by kebabs and excessive amounts of alcohol. So from the 1st of January until the 26th of March, and probably beyond, I will be taking part in the East Cheshire Hospice Pounds for Pounds challenge. Since 1988, East Cheshire Hospice has been caring for families suffering from life-limiting illnesses. They put their patients, their carers and families at the centre of everything they do, and their expert medical team is only the start of the holistic care they provide. The aim of this challenge is for Carl to get in the gym and lose some weight, and he's also guaranteed that if he doesn't lose his goal amount, which will be confirmed on January the 1st after discussions with a personal trainer and nutritionalist, he will personally double the amount raised out of his own pocket. For more information and to donate to this fantastic cause, please search Carl Burgess 84 on justgiving.com or click on the link in the podcast description. So before we head towards the end of the podcast, mate, I, I thought uh, it might be worth... Um, Firstly, you could maybe tell us a, a little bit about um, your plans for the current Australian season um, with, you know, your groundskeeping business. Um, and, yeah, just, just kind of what, what your plans are for the rest of this year. Uh, yeah, very busy. We've, you know, again, with this COVID, it's not really affected us. We've got lots in the pipeline. Uh, we've just finished building a new, uh, well, three new cricket pitches at the National Cricket Academy up in Brisbane. We've just finished doing that where we've uh, put in uh, a couple of uh, wicket blocks that actually have uh, the SCG, the Gabba and Adelaide Oval on the one block. So, you know, clubs from, or teams, international teams can go and train there and practice and Sheffield Shield team can go there. And, uh, of course, all the Australian national teams can go there, women, men, underage teams. So that was good. And then we've got a few more booked in. Um, in the new year to build Allen Borderfield as well, more practice wickets for the cricket centre up there. And um, yeah, we've got we've got lots planned more in the line of building. We still have the maintenance of you know all the cricket pitches, but uh, yeah, lots of cricket pitches to build. So yeah, looking forward to it. But we're also planning on coming over. Don't know the chances, but we still have to plan for it as long as you guys sort COVID out. Uh, it won't be till the end of June or maybe July. We might be hopefully coming over, you know, COVID pending. And Darren Berry tells me he's going over at a similar time too. We may be able to organise a reunion when we're all over there together at the same time next year. So let's hope you get rid of COVID. Yeah, absolutely. I, I know there'll be very many people delighted to uh, to hopefully make that a reality. Um, and just before we wrap up, do you, you know, in terms of the business, for anyone that's interested, um, is there anywhere they can find you online or find out a bit more about uh, what you do and, and your business and everything? I do have a website, but it's not the best. Uh, it's au. Shanna, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, any closing remarks? I know your season's just finished there. 
but thanks for getting in touch with me. I've really enjoyed doing this because, you know, it was a great time in our lives. Those people who were part of that successful team, uh, the, the competitiveness, the wins, the success and the fun we had. A great time of my life anyway. And um, that's why something like a reunion um, would be fantastic because it's been a long time since Macclesfield have won the league too, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it has at the Premier, uh, the top end, yep. I'm not sure when the last time we won the league, but yeah, hopefully Macclesfield can um, start. I know they're doing good things off the field, good committee, um, you know, and start building a good young team. You've got a good academy and yeah, get Macclesfield, the size of that town, back to uh, where it should be and dominating cricket in Cheshire. Shenna, thanks so much for your time. It's been great to, to, to talk about all things Mac and to hear some stories from Australia. And we really thank you for taking the time to come and talk to us. And uh, as you say, hopefully we'll, we'll all be able to see you next year. Thanks for having me, Miles. Cheers, mate.